There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. working as a doula for some time now just over two and a half years now I think professionally so I wandered into the world of support a, a while ago I've graduated as a quid you breastfeeding counselor I, I went into that into the volunteer position because it's something that I found I needed you know groups of moms having realistic honest conversations and it really uh, it really captured my heart quite quickly actually I'll never forget my first morning and and so I kind of navigated myself in there and I really submerged myself into the group to the point that I went back to work pretty early on Juno. And one of the kind of the clinchers for my returning to work into the restaurant business was that I wouldn't work Thursday mornings because that's when my Quidgy group was on with all my moms. <laughs> and so then from there, I really, I really found a space that I, I became really passionate about the volunteering aspect. And so trained then as a breastfeeding counselor myself. And one of my friends, a great friend of mine, tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is really your bag, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it's the mom's. So it's not, you know, babies yeah. are deadly, right? Babies are yeah. deadly. And I love babies. However, for me, the support that gets forgotten about so much is what I found in Quidju and that experience of shifting that support onto the mother and finding out. Because breastfeeding support, as you'll know yourself, it's so much more than latch and position. So then I got this tip on my shoulder to say, you know, there's this other thing that you might, and you hear these words, people say, what's that? What's that? And so one of the women in our uh, organization said, you know, maybe you should look at this um, postpartum doula work. It's something that I think might really, really suit you. And lo and behold, I looked it up and I said, oh yeah, this is my bag. This is exactly, now I, you know, I'm an ex-hospitality person. And before that, I was a town planner. It's about finding and offering solutions. And I just, I loved it. The, that room, that woman, I trained under an amazing woman called Annie Grower. And I, everything about it spoke to me about what we can do as support people to empower parents on their journeys and to, you know, to allow these new families to tune into their gut instincts. Because oftentimes we're so caught up with what does the book say and what does the app say that we forget yeah. We, we really we really know our babies better than anybody else you know and if there's something mm. askew or if there's something amiss or if it, you know yourself Alex if it doesn't feel right yeah. it usually isn't right and that is the same with parenting and new babies so by your definition what makes a doula unique in terms of healthcare service and support a doula in terms of its old linguistic history where it comes from it's a, a mother's supporter a woman's helper mothering the mother all these beautiful pieces of phraseology and that's exactly what it is except in modern times it's kind of been extended a bit more okay. because there's a lot more to our parenting and to our mothering and you know a doula is about being a person who's invited into a family or a person's home and minding them in their transition, be it, you know, an, a baby being born or the loss of a baby. You know, there's, there's other doulas who work in the world of fertility. That's not one of the, the sides that I've gotten into yet. It's something that mm -hmm. I'd love to train into, along, uh, as you know, always training, always training, <laughs> always learning. Um, and I think that there is a space for a non-familial 
confident who can provide you with non-judgmental support and compassionate care. And I think in that, Alex, I, don't, I think that a doula, because they come in without the history and the baggage of a relationship that might be mm. there already, mm-hmm. a question or a question that you might ask a doula, the response isn't loaded with what they did in their own journey. Our ultimate goal is to provide non-judgmental evidence-based support. So just because I parent my child one way doesn't mean that that might be the best fit for you. You know, I don't need the kudos of saying, well, I did this, so you should do this. It's actually, well, here's all the range of options. What do you think might suit you best? And let's reflect on that. And if that doesn't work, let's open up into a bit more flexibility and see, see what else might be there as an alternative to that option. If that thing isn't really floating your boat at the moment or whatever it is that's going on, you know. You know, and the emotional response then as well is such a huge part of the work that a doula does. We're a bit like the, the barmen of old, right? Mm. But, you know, you might go in and you pull up a chair and you might have your newspaper and you might have a pint or a cup of coffee. And then you might yeah. tell, tell that barman your woes and off you go on your journey. And that's it. We're secret keepers and we're emotion keepers because, you know, the stuff that happens bedside, again, with the baby being born or in loss, those conversations are some of the most vulnerable conversations that a person might ever have in their lives. And I suppose all of us, and, and in particular, the real piece is the trust and respect that needs to be given to those conversations and stories. So again, like that, middle Isla test goes, oh, Jesus, do you remember? You're not really, <laughs> not really what it's about, you know? If somebody wanted to bring something up with you again, for sure, you'd, you'd arrange that and you schedule it and let's make a time and a date and let's, absolutely schedule this conversation because it's important there's a bit of an irish a modern irish attitude to that that says it's private and you shouldn't talk about it to anybody else and you should just get on with it on your own and because that's what everyone else is doing but everyone else isn't doing that no they're not they're not really and nobody's expected to do that that was the big thing that I had to learn because we were talking earlier on about being busy in our jobs and being solutions focused and getting on with it and ticking boxes and if you're used to living that kind of life and being quite independent in that when you have a baby your default is to behave like that and not to reach out and say I actually don't have a rashers how to do this or no like all of these things can be talked through in a really private way yeah or in any way and also what you were saying about options as well about providing options so it's like this amazing confidant that also has an encyclopedia of options like yeah and and that we're trained to listen right yeah 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 you're trained to listen so you can be totally honest because it's non-judgmental yeah yeah. and non-biased and like that the landscape is really changing i think alex and i think it's really fair to say that the stories and the sharing of stories and and it's not just ah come on she you're grand haven't you got a healthy baby aren't you fine you know it's actually much more than that and there's much more honesty in the landscape and the paradigm now a new mer- parenthood and new motherhood of people willing to share these really hard experiences because new motherhood is isolating and lonely at the best of times add into that mix a big old pandemic and life has gotten really, really hard, really, really quickly yeah, and really exactly. isolating really quickly. You know, you know, we train and learn for everything. And, and why not? Why not start that and begin that in our parenting journeys and try and see how we can have people to hold our hand? And that's really, you know, in terms of what the postpartum work is about. I would love us to cast our minds back to March as all of those announcements were being made, so many women and families had to adapt their expectations. In your view, this caused a lot of anxiety and disappointment, like huge amount of disappointment. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about this from your professional experience? Sure. Well, immediately it became apparent that the regular anxiety experience and uncertainties that mothers and new parents are facing in birth anyway and then we had this immediate response of we can't do what we are used to doing and like you know from a professional perspective it was a Thursday afternoon and I immediately offered my clients the options to continue in-home support or to do it virtually and then like that there was an immediate response in my head to say this is going to have a huge impact I suppose because I'm not in, in this world of supporting parents, you know, for a couple of months or a year, you understand what these decisions and policies 
and the impact they can have and the impact that birthing in different circumstances can have mm. on families. Mm. And so, you know, I'm very quickly put into the conversation there earlier just now about being trained to active listen. Mm. And Alex, my immediate response was to go off to another person. And thankfully, this other person in the UK moved their trainings online immediately because she knew what I was asking was correct. And she felt it as well because she works in, in the birth world work and updated my own skill set on trauma informed care immediately in March. Wow. So this training that I was going doing was supposed to be in the UK, just outside of London in November this year. And I had signed up to go for it, which was going to be over two weekends over in the UK. And this other person said, okay, I'm going to put this online and I'm going to do it now. So sign up and let's get on with this because this is real and this is happening. And I suppose for those of us to see that, even if that initial period of, you know, how the maternity units and service, I'm going to use the word service users. So that's anyone who was starting their reproductive journey to pregnancy, being pregnant or having a baby. Yeah. How those decisions immediately impacted so for instance if you were about to have your baby in march and i don't want to be speaking for this is this is stuff that i've heard in in you know virtual client calls or at the coffee morning that i'm running so all of these people had done all of their antenatal classes with their partner with the intention of having a birth partner available to them mm. and Im immediately those people were not able to do that with the person who they had put their trust and their learning skills with to have their babies. Yeah. Like just think about that for a minute. And so you have to do it by yourself. And the fallout of that is going to be long felt, you know, mm. to those of us in this work, it's real and it's a lived experience and, and that it's continuing. And there is a huge anger and it's, a, it's an absolute understandable um, response of, you know, the, the asking the policymakers why, why are we continuing this? Because a doula is trained to think to evidence-based information. And when we look at the evidence, and I understand what the maternity units are doing and the policymakers are doing, and I can understand it's for the protection and all of that. However, the incidence rate doesn't seem to be there in the hospitals. And so we have to ask the questions. It is our place as advocates for birthing people to ask these questions and to push it and to keep pushing it, you know? And, and really... The, the ultimate response is hopefully that we get some understanding and some lessening of restrictions sooner rather than later, because, you know, whilst you can say, oh, this could happen and this could happen. It's not only your experience, it's your partner's experience as well. Mm. And mm. if you think about like those people in March and April going in and, you know, listening to one woman in particular the other day and my heart was, I was just breaking, listening to her, you know, she'd gone in, she had been hoping for a natural birth, things happened. Mm. Then it was the induction. Ultimately, there was a, a cesarean section and she's by herself, right? Yeah. But then when you think about it, her partner then isn't there in the ward to hand over the baby when the baby needs a feed. They must be so busy in the hospitals and the maternity units because the partners haven't been replaced on the ground yeah. with anyone else, right? And the partner support. And, you know, as a doula, we go in and out. Generally, we go in. We are not visitors. The partners are not visitors. They are birth partners. We are trained professionals. And, you know, I work alongside enough midwives that they would say, they see the doula come and they go, oh, yes, there's the emotional piece. There's the physical support. I can get on with my job. And yeah. we've all been removed and not been replaced because already our, our maternity system was understaffed, right? And underfunded and all of the rest of that. And so, you know, there's, there's this woman and her, her newborn baby and she's trying to feed her baby, but, you know, she's just had a section, so she can't really get out so it's really hard for these people. There's a lot to it. And then there's the partners. Now, on the flip side of that, I will say, because it's not all doom and gloom, Alex, right? Yeah. The other side of that is our baby's birth weights are increasing back up to where they should be within two weeks at a faster rate than they had been previously. And things right. like our, our breastfeeding rates are incrementally increased. Like we have got one of the poorest breastfeeding rates in the world. Mm. and our initiation rates are up slightly and this might be to do with the lack of busyness of that new parent 
having just had their baby, they've got more time to be under the baby. They don't have to be waiting for their visitors. So, yeah. so a lot of people are reporting actually that whilst all of this is happening in, 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 in the, the very traumatic side of things and the very heavy experiences that people are feeling, there's also the positive element of, well, I've nowhere to go and I've nothing to do. So mm. I may as well be here. And, and really walking into that fourth trimester as a positive experience to counteract nearly what's happened in their birth experience. Now, it doesn't take away or negate what's happened. Yeah. You know, but there are less people coming to homes and there are less visitors. So there is less, you know, less bounce back situation. It's, it's really less, you know, my, my outlook is, well, let's resume lying in. Let's get back to bed. <laughs> let's get back into our fourth trimesters and get under our babies. Ask for people to leave out the laundry ask your your mum or your dad or your person who might have otherwise come in and done other things for you you know let's look at creating these postpartum plans specific to right now in 2020 with what we're living with yeah you know and let's look to how we can access supports differently and how we can tune into what the benefits are and then let's talk about your experience and let's talk you know with trauma-informed care Let's debrief from that experience. Let's look at that really actively, figure out how you felt about that. Because if we speak about it and if the tears come, they're very cathartic. Yeah. You, you know, there's, there's real space for tears mm. in this whole experience that's been lived. And I can't imagine what they must be going. Like I can empathize, sure, what I would say to all people who are about to have a baby. You know, plan for the stuff that is going to be with flexibility going into it is look at all the different things, you know, and, and day to day, that's the thing day to day, the restrictions or impotence, they, they were different every single day. So if a client was going in to have their baby, we were nearly, you know, speed dial one straight into the units, what's happening today. And there's 19 maternity units in the country and they're all having different policies. That's the thing that's really bending our minds as doulas, right? That's really important to say. So to recap, the real casualties of the COVID-19 situation are those mothers that went in in March, April, May, when it was such an unknown landscape and the restrictions were so severe for those women. There was really no choice but to just, you know, hand themselves over and be in, in a situation where that nobody expected. I feel yeah. like it, the general consensus now is that we've adapted. So women who have had their babies in the last couple of months and who are going to have their babies, there's a bit more of a, an awareness about how things roll. Um, Except there's an entire other group, Alex, that really, really bore the brunt of this. And it's people who were on their fertility journey and people who were experiencing loss. And that continues we really need to give space to conversation of the people who were about to embark on IVF journeys that were immediately stopped. And those, those people in the saddest of circumstances as well, who, you know, think about that they had to go into hospital to have a scan by themselves and they might've heard those words, there is no heartbeat. And then they might've had to call their partner who was out in the car. And, you know, for somebody who works in bereavement, you know, it's, it's part and parcel of the work that I do for a person to have to say those words ever before they're ready, mm. but that they have to give that information to potentially the partner of that baby to be over a phone call by themselves, you know, standing by themselves in a corridor. Now the midwives are exceptionally beautiful people, mm. you know, and, and they will give you time and they will give you space. However, that's not the same as having your partner beside you, holding your hand, you know, a touch on your knee, all of these things. And again, that, that those people who had built up to taking their fertility treatments and all of those appointments overnight closing down. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so that whole piece of that baby boom, you know, 2021, my heart just broke for all of those people because unless you had had your treatment by April 2020, there was not going to be a baby in 21. Mm. And that was a really forgotten about group of people. Uh, so many heartbreaking stories, really. Um, I hope that a lot of people are finding the support that they need to get through this time. But for people who don't know that there is support out there, 
who's around? Who can, who can they, who's accessible right now? I suppose the thing about it is, is that any of us who work in this type of world, generally, most of us in Ireland are face-to-face type of people, right? And overnight, we needed to figure this stuff out. Actually, thankfully, both of my clients that I was supporting at the time um, in March, both of them decided they would like to transfer onto virtual work. And that only came back on the Monday. And actually, the relief that I felt, we were sitting there and I was going, okay, so I just switch on to virtually and I put a, a quick post up on Instagram. I had been out with a pal um, down in Belmont, down in Bray, and I took, there was a double rainbow as it happened, and I just took this photograph and I said, right, <laughs> it, it will be okay, it will be okay, we're going to switch to virtual. And then I went, holy shit, I've no idea how to do this. Yeah. And so, yeah. and, and so I'm not really a techie person, really. My doula organization that I've trained with, Donut, they responded really, really well, and they did these check-in calls, leadership check-in calls. Mm. And one of the nights, there's um, an email came in, and it said, so we're going to do a webinar with uh, Penny Simkin. They're going to teach the birth doulas how to doula virtually. And I says, ah, sure, I'll sign up to that. You'll definitely learn something, right? Yeah, yeah. And so... A thousand people signed up to this. Whoa. So that was at seven o'clock. I logged in to go. And at five past eight, there was, and we had kept, you know, the Zoom in the background. It just keeps rolling around. And then an email came in and said, unfortunately, we have not been able to take up the amount of people. Our web service has pretty much cracked cracked because a thousand people signed up. Wow. And in that moment, though, Alex, I said, okay, well, if Penny Simkin can go to do a webinar. So she is, if you don't know who she is, she is one of the thought leaders in the birth doula world. And I had a real moment of, ah, check yourself. If she can do that and it cannot work, and then she can just take it on the chin and go, we'll try again tomorrow night. Yeah. I had been playing with this idea in the back of my head and I thought, okay, we're going to do this. So the following day, myself and my pals in our various homes signed up to all the different platforms and you might remember it seems like years ago now but at the very beginning then there was all these beautiful calls getting hacked and things happening that weren't really supposed to happening in the places where they weren't supposed to be happening so I wanted to ensure that there was safety to conversations because things can be very private and personal when you're doing this so anyway between the jigs and the reels of it I decided okay I'm going to launch this virtual coffee morning what was the main objective for the coffee morning what was the for me I immediately saw all of the groups on the ground. So we're talking, whether you're breastfeeding or feeding your baby, all of those mother support play groups, you know, your local hall, your local library, they all disappeared immediately, as did your gymbery, your yoga classes, everything just went. And I was like, oh my God, they've nowhere to Yeah, so it was focused on really postpartum women and their babies. It was about providing people with peer support, a conversation, somewhere to go, to have a conversation and one of the girls put it perfectly one of the days and we have talked on this group and I never expected where are we were September so this started in April and it was Monday mornings and Friday mornings from 10 a.m. until deeper sometimes until two in the afternoon and we have talked about every single thing you could talk about in motherhood parenting personal life partnerships relationships sexuality sex lack of sex and one of the girls just said you know what I'm really thankful to talk to another person that isn't my husband today. And other times we talked about, you know, in in, um, Mental Health Awareness Week, we got into very big conversations around everything to do with our perinatal mental health. Mm -hmm. We've gotten into everything around childbirth, birthing complications. We've, We've watched one of the babies, the beautiful baby on last week, who came on when she was 10 days old to begin with and yeah. we've watched her until she's now about to be introduced solids so Aww. that's her entire little lifetime we've watched this little tots grow up and yeah. now this conversation place which is and i never expected it to happen right it's it's this peer support and there's a there's an honesty to it but there's also such a level of respect that I didn't think that could happen down somebody's screens that these these all of these women and men you know we've got some of the dads popping in every now and again as well and they'll bob by and they'll have a chat yeah and 
it's the respect piece because there's a really diverse group of people come on and some days it's three people and some of the days there was nearly 26 of us on the call and it's that availability again this was the whole thing of it that we can sit and we can ensure that that yet yeah, yeah that's supposed to be happening or no 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 that you might need to go to your gp for that because that's you know whether that's to do with the mother or the baby so how does it actually work so who's there how do you get into the group yeah do you in, come with your your question or how how does that so it's not really set up as a come and i'll answer everything and fix everything i am proposing it as I facilitate peer-to-peer conversation, Alex. So if you've ever been to a mom and baby morning of any sort or a class of any sort, you know that conversation that happens after the class? If you go to yoga, you go to Gymboree, you go to baby library, you go to Quidju, you go to friends breastfeeding, you go wherever you go. And then there's this conversation that happens amongst the the parents or the care providers, grannies or whoever is, is there with baby. That's the piece that I was really felt was missing in our lives once we went into lockdown that there was no one there to acknowledge what's normal what's not normal so what happens generally week to week is we'll come in and we do a round robin that everyone gets to introduce themselves and with that introduction conversations happen and then there's always the quieter one that sits to the side of the call and like in a on-site on the ground peer support group it's my job to invite that person in so, hey, Sarah, okay. would you like to tell yeah. us about you? Because there will always be the person who talks and talks and talks. And mm-hmm. then, so it's about facilitating that peer group. It's not me talking all the time. It's about me offering the conversation through the group and that the mums will come in and the dads will come in with their questions and the peer group will answer. Now, my role in the job is to ensure that it's current evidence-based information and to invite everybody along into the group. It's a group of people coming together to have a chat virtually. Now, if there's very heavy stuff coming up, I'll always offer in the email. So how you join is you send me an email or a private message on Instagram or a message on Facebook or you know mm. a text message or whatever. <laughs> so somebody will send me a message and say, I'd like to come. They might see it on Instagram. They might see it on Facebook or they might hear about it from their pal. And then I'll send them back the zoom link and then what i've done last week i mixed it up a little bit i had a private facebook group that i started about a year ago called your virtual village so what the intention is there is to enliven that now and to have everybody go in and join there and i'll pop the zoom link in there each week and then the co- the conversation topics that come up yes yeah, so you know what's coming up yeah but now i've got a, a thread on that closed facebook group and so the conversation can continue and so things like I'll be posting in there for, for the other resources that are available. So where, where else is available? You ask me there. So the IBCLCs, they pretty quickly, some of them moved online, some people weren't. And we have to remember that everyone who's doing this work also has their own set of circumstances and their own families. Yeah. So for instance, mm-hmm. you know, I know one IBCLC who has a very elderly father who is quite unwell. And so when when the in-home support was able to continue they decided not to go back into people's homes and i know doula's the same yeah yeah if they, if they choose their client then they can't see the family member it's a tricky thing to balance and get it correctly but i think there are enough of us available either online or in port in person right now depending that you can access the people so there's the ibclc's online doing telehealth there's friends breastfeeding doing their online groups there's the National Infertility Support Group have moved online. There is Aware have groups online. There's Quidu are online. You know, all of the groups that you might access support from, yeah. most of them have at this point now transitioned to some form of online support or contact. Yeah. Which, you know, and like that, it takes a bit of learning and practice because we don't all in our lives we we turn up at your front door, we ring your doorbell and we go in and we have a a conversation and we might then follow up with links to the great places but we you know we're not all of us naturally sitting in front of a computer every day and doing you know things like we had to figure out like there was these hilarious absolute mess ups down in my kitchen between my kitchen our sitting room upstairs and four of my mates houses trying to figure yeah. out the tech to get the, the virtual coffee morning to be not completely a disaster right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah look i mean it's been a total learning curve for everyone and the virtual coffee yeah. morning is like what a jewel to come out of it 
or what, how has your line of work adapted in other ways? Like what, what the day-to-day of even postpartum doula care? Since we've gone into lockdown, I've taken one client on face-to-face in-home support. You know, it's not only me. If I take on a full client right now, I then don't get to see my parents because of their circumstances, right? Sure, yeah. And so, so I moved my work to online and to virtual and so we set up these appointments and we have a virtual conversation in front of our computers. And it's, it's, really, it's really interesting because what it has shown to me is it's absolutely about the emotional support. Because whilst I can answer the, the bits and bobs of what do you think about this? What, like, I don't ever give somebody the answer. Sure. We give us an array of options of what might work and signpost to places that might be useful and beneficial. Mm. And so the real response right now has been the emotional piece. And a lot of what Alex is to do, again, coming back to how these birth experiences changed pretty quickly from this is what I'm expecting to this is what happened, you know. And and even there was a girl, one of the girls on the coffee morning on Friday, and it really opened up a, a very valid conversation. Two of the women had had their babies in March and April. And they, there was a huge acknowledgement from them on Friday to their anger. And that's fine because that's what they felt. And then like that, one of, the, one of the women said, you know, can I do a one-on-one with you afterwards for a debrief? Because I don't think this is the right space for it. Yeah. You know, so again, that training, that trauma-informed care. Was really good call for you because you were then equipped to, to manage the absolute tsunami and avalanche of emotional support that you were going to have to get into, which of course you were used to doing, but not to the same volume in comparison. Yeah. And it's really different because like the, the virtual world is quite different in its support work. Cause so when you're bedside, if you remember back to when you had your baby and you're sitting there, there's a lot of space. There's a lot of work happens with quiet conversation. And by that, I mean, no conversation. A person could be sitting there in their bed or their partner in their bed and it can be the quiet acknowledgement of that's how you're feeling. Yeah. And all over an internet call, because it, it is a call and it's a conversation, there's not as much space for those quiet moments where huge amount of work can be done. And you have mm. to be really cognizant of that and allow your client the ability to have that quiet. Because on a call, we want to fill the space, right? We want to have the conversation. But actually, you need to take also, I found I've needed to take my skills that I work with in home of the quiet, active listening, non-conversation moments and transfer that down a virtual call, which has proven quite difficult to do to get it right, because that silence is quite awkward if it's not the correct moment for it, you know? Do you miss any of the old ways? And I mean, the old ways, like the pre, pre-March <laughs> now I am a very tactile person and I let everybody know that you know how reassuring it can be for somebody simply to place their hand on your elbow at your knee on your shoulder and that very gentle positioning of watching somebody like really watching somebody in front of you become so empowered in their parenting in their postpartum that you don't get access to that because a postpartum shift would usually be a minimum of about four hours and virtually you just couldn't sustain a four-hour conversation online because in a, in a regular postpartum shift you'd be going in you'd be having a conversation about what happened yesterday or the day before since you've been there and then you would you know disentangle anything that needed any any information that needed to be given or you know what happened or you know tricky with baby or yourself and then like oftentimes I'd go off and whilst that's happening the mom might be in the shower or the partner might be in the shower or in a bath and I might make some food and make some dinner and change clothes and you know tidy over the kitchen what have you and in those quiet moments as well, in the kitchen, getting to talk with partners, checking in with them, that often happens side by side when, you know, you're chopping veggies or stuff like that. You know, a postpartum doula is there for the entire family and that can be missing now as well. You know, checking in with the partners, making sure how are they doing? Yeah. And so you lose that piece when you're doing a virtual call. We made some reference to women and families who have gone through experiences of loss through stillborn or miscarriage or abortion and people in their fertility treatment journeys as well. Imagine this group are feeling massively lost and very lonely. So I would love for us to talk a little bit about how important it is for these women to take care of themselves. I feel like it's something that we don't talk about. And I worry that 
because we don't talk about it, women feel like they shouldn't take special care of themselves, um, that they are expected to just, you know, get on with it. And I know that's just even a phrase that I'm, I'm tired of hearing myself say to get on with this. But when you your body physically goes through something like that, it's really important to take care of it. And while you might not be on a healthcare, um, a hospital or your GP's priority list, you know, it is still very important that you take care of your body and your mind as you navigate through a phase like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who's available to those women and those groups in terms of support? To answer who is available, all of the groups that would usually be signposted to in terms of loss and bereavement in Ireland have moved their supports online to virtual meets. Now, going at the best of times, going into a room is hard. Going onto a computer screen to talk about that is really, really hard. It's harder again. You know, there's so much to it. And absolutely, Alex, I 100% agree with you that it is not just get on with it. You know, Felicon is one of the organizations that supports around miscarriage and stillborn babies. And they talk about the tears that are never shed or will the hardest be felt. And, and in that sentence, I always feel it's the acknowledgement of it, you know, of, of the loss. And everybody deals with it differently. You know, everybody does. And it's really about, as a person who supports people in loss and bereavement and stillbirth and miscarriage and, and abortion, it's about acknowledging how the person is feeling and their language and reflecting that back. Miscarriage is one of the biggest remaining taboos along with stillborn babies and abortion in Ireland. We don't speak about it enough. I 100% agree with you because the statistics are quite shocking, right? It's one in four known pregnancies result in miscarriage. Yeah. And so if you think about that, now the word there as well that we really need to look at is the known piece because not everyone has yet acknowledged that they have been pregnant and some people might think they're having a heavy period and sometimes that might be what a, a miscarriage looks like for you. Yeah. And for other people, it can be quite more physical and it can be quite more intense than a heavy period. It reflects each person's regular menstrual cycle and how they move through that, mostly. Mm. Like I spoke to earlier, like even just hearing that news and being in that room by yourself for the scan and to have the sonographer say those words without a partner there beside you and quite different from somebody who's actively choosing to have a baby alone. You know, again, these are experiences that have been taken away from families um, to share together and those moments of grief that will, again, comes back to offering people spaces to listen. And there are brilliant counselling services in Ireland. You know, if anybody needs anybody, get in touch with me. I have a great database and reference book of people who are exceptional in this work. It's really important to acknowledge and to say as well, Alex, I'm not a trained or licensed counsellor or psychotherapist or physiotherapist. I am a doula. I am a non-medically trained support person professional. Mm -hmm. So I am trained in active listening, but you know, like that, like the breastfeeding work, where it gets outside of my scope of practice, immediately I will be telling the client that this is outside of my scope and signposting to the people. The other thing to really acknowledge at the moment is um, where you, you said about abortion there. Um, if you think for a moment that we still have people needing to travel in this country to access abortion, that was all taken away when we couldn't leave the country. And, you know, there's a couple of things to it. If you think about our provision in the weight requirements from three days from going into your doctor at the first instance to get the pills if you go in and you get the pills and the pills don't work and you're on the cusp of your 12-week waiting period you then won't be given the next set of pills yeah now again the support networks are there there was you know really positive things came out of this. There's the abortion support network are incredible. They're the organization through in the UK who will get huge amount of funding and charity funding and donations to support people to access to travel, which it's a whole nother conversation to get into the debating around the legislation and, and how poor it is relative to securing full health care for our pregnant people in Ireland. I think that's a whole nother week's conversation. And, you know, and like that, even things like yeah. you know, supporting people around their abortions, people not knowing the information. So knowing when to take these tablets, if it's a if it's the um, medical care that you're being given the tablets and thankfully they move to telehealth and you're able to go and pick up the, the tablets and do it yourself at home. But again, like that and the same with miscarriage, 
knowing as a doula, knowing the signs and signals of a safe and healthy miscarriage, although it sounds peculiar, and the same as a safe and healthy abortion when somebody might need to go to hospital. What you know, what these signals and signposts are, and then to help them dismantle the feelings of what they're 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 feeling post the event, because like that, it's not just get up and carry on for everybody. And it can impact people really, really differently. And again, you know, the same stillborn babies, parents of stillborn babies, even that accessing, if you think about it, accessing the arrangements for if they wanted to have a memorial service in the height of the pandemic, the impacts, they will be so long felt. But to say that there are places for everybody to go under whatever circumstances they're going through. And if it is, you know, contacting somebody like a postpartum doula will have a reference book as long as they're street, you know, it's, it's part of what we do. It's signposting is our bread and butter, you know, ensuring that we have the references for whatever is coming up for people. Can somebody just touch base with the doula, like online, like through Instagram and ask the, sort these sorts of questions? And Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. From my perspective, I have on my Instagram and on my Facebook page, I have, uh, it's called the Calendly app. So if you want to schedule a session with me, you book in there. There's a couple of questions. I basically am asking, am I the right person for you in my head? And tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. And then okay. If, if it yeah. comes in that it's something that's so far out of my scope of craft practice, I will get back mm. to you pretty soon and say, Do you know what? I don't think I'm the person for you. Here's the person to go to. And otherwise okay. you can book in. It's usually a 90 minute session because by the time, particularly with the first time, you know, a once off client, your life as it stands right now is about yeah. postpartum care and supporting that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how do you consider yourself now in terms of the fourth trimester community? Where do you see yourself within the community? Woven and entangled, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Might be some words. I think, I think it's, uh, you know, offering people information to recognizing how powerful your fourth trimester can be yeah. in terms of families. And when I use the word family, I'm going to talk about the people immediately, if there are the primary caregivers and a baby and or not a baby, right? Yeah. So yeah. like you were just saying there around miscarriage and stillbirth and abortion, you're still postpartum. Yes. The awareness to the profession is growing hugely and, and exponentially in this country. I think I'm pretty much embedded in it at this point. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Would you recommend any resources, organizations, books, websites, podcasts, etc.? Now, I know you mentioned a few there throughout the recording, um, but anything in particular, even from pre-COVID times, that you would you would be recommending frequently to people? Over and above a postpartum doula. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Apart from an actual human being. <laughs> in your home really though to answer that question of what you would recommend for everybody and what I would love to see for the parents of Ireland and the world you know when you're booking in to whether it's a home birth or a hospital unit yeah along with that that every single person had access to postpartum care yeah yeah big time what about quick tips and advice? Like, is there something that you say to people like always, you're always saying the same thing? So you know the way when you're pregnant, Alex? Yeah. The things that I would always say is, you know what's going on with your baby and with your, your body. And then you're going to start planning your birth and you're going to think about your birth preference probably and you're going to go to your antenatal class. My number one thing would be think about your postpartum. Think yes. about, even, even if you don't hire a postpartum doula, try and access somewhere. You know, you plan for a party, you plan for your wedding, you plan yeah. for all of these big events in your life. Think about what you might do like physically, tangibly, how this baby might impact your life, where you're going to sleep, who's going to come in. So there is a thing that we often refer to, and it's the same as your birth. It's a postpartum plan thinking about these things, asking someone, do they know somebody who can offer you a postpartum plan? I'm sure there's loads on Pinterest and, and the internet generally. So that would be the number one thing I would think. Remember that there is going to be a baby and how to plan for that in your life. And I'm not just talking about getting the buggy and, you know, the 
the baby grows and the changing bag and stuff like that. Yeah. But the actual physicality is in your house and thinking about that. Mm. So it's the postpartum plan. And then following on and immediately from that is accessing to your support circle, your village. Who is going to look after you? Who is going to mind you? And who are the people who are going to support you that you expect, but then you need to ask them. Sandy, right? You have to be honest with yourself and say, am I somebody who's going to be able to ask for help? Because if yeah. you're not, just reflect yeah. on that and yeah. reflect on how that might impact you. And yeah. I think, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm, I'm not a doula. No. I'm just, you know, having a go here at podcasting. But I, I feel like that's something that I can say out loud that I didn't ask yeah. myself before. Yes. And I think it's an important question to ask. So when, because when you're saying who, maybe there's somebody who can make you some dinners. Yeah, maybe there is. But are you going to be prepared to ask them? Yeah, because exactly. you might not yeah. be and you might have to get around that in your head yeah. a little bit. Those of us who were having babies a little bit later in life in our, you know, 30s, 40s, very independent, particularly having your first baby and you've been along on your career path and you've been doing really well and you know, you know, the answers to everything in your life. And I tell you, the, the hardest thing you'll ever do is the only time you have to do it is the very first time you put your hand up as an expectant or new parent or bereaved parent and ask for help. And then the other biggest thing I would say for every family to look at bringing a thing into your lives to help in your postpartum immediate and into your future life. It, 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 baby wearing is a hugely forgotten skill that is thankfully having a recurrence. Wearing your baby, it does a number of things. It keeps your baby close. It regulates your mood. It regulates temperatures. It increases your oxytocin and your love hormone. Mm. The same for partners, you know. And it also yeah. gives you hands-free as well. And it does all of these beautiful things. But you don't have to be spending hundreds. to act. You can no. get a really good sling for 40 quid. Totally. Trisha over in Snugglebugs or Jill down in, in Mummy Hub. The two yeah. girls, they're given virtual consults at the minute get your sling and be shown how to use it properly. It also helps you physically wear it properly and carry the weight of the baby properly as well. So your load wearing is correctly, yeah. Yeah. When we were able to record in studio, I would bring along a little biscuit tin with some words in it. Okay. And, and people would just pick out the word. So instead of doing the biscuit tin, I just like think of a word in my head and <laughs> totally random but for me and you maybe you would like to expand a little bit on um on newborn babies magic that's the word it is simply the most amazing thing how a baby is born how a woman's body and i'm gonna i i have used the word woman i am fully inclusive in my practice how the female body is set up to grow and nurture internally we grow a whole new organ to provide for this baby whilst it's in utero for the many of us many people not all our pelvis then shifts and this baby comes out this birth canal and a baby newborn baby can be set on a on a birthing person's tummy and will by smell and sight alone crawl up to that birthing person's breast chest and start to root and start to feed and it's just incredible i don't think if you took all the most brilliant engineers and people from science in the world and put them together they could come up with what it is that this dyad is capable of doing together just incredible before we go i would love for you to sign off with a quick recap of where people can find you so I have a couple of ways to be found. I am currently rebuilding my website. Uh, so it's down at the moment. And then other ones on that, you can find me on Instagram at Sandy Doula, S-A-N-D-Y-D-O-U-L-A. And I'm over on Facebook as Sandy Doula also. You can get me on email, sandyconnolly at gmail.com. Or my phone number, 086-043-8642. <laughs> are you sure you want me to include that phone number yeah it's fine okay. it's full access if I don't answer I will call you back I love what I do Alex and it doesn't infringe on my life and in fact it absolutely it makes my life better to get to be invited into these people's lives 
and I, I hold that with such a huge level of respect and with the privilege that it deserves and the honour that it deserves because it's the most special time in a family's life. Sandy, I just want to say thank you so much for all your dedication and your commitment to the community, especially in the last seven months and everything that you're doing, the virtual coffee mornings, the Instagram posts, everything, and just, you know, your constant support to everyone. You know, the work that you're doing is, is shining a massive light across the country. So well done. Oh, wow, and thank you so much for all the work that you do. Oh, thank you. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.